If you would, pull out your, your bulletin, your listening sheets. We're going to read the text together. It'll also be on the screen next to you, but it's on the inside of your listening sheet. This is our text for today. It comes, as Danny mentioned before, out of our reverse. This week, we were reading 1 Samuel 18 and 19 together. So I hope you read that, took some time to study that together this week. And for the sermon today, for this hour, we're going to focus on verses 10 and 11. So let's stand and we'll read that together. This then is the text for today. Now it came about on the next day that an evil spirit from God came mightily upon Saul, and he raved in the midst of the house while David was playing the harp with his hand as usual, and a spear was in Saul's hand. Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped from his presence twice. May God bless the reading of his word. A sharp spear came hurling at David's heart. In fact, if you read all of our reverse text for this week, a sharp spear came hurling at David's heart, uh, heart three different times. It was a real attack. It wasn't an exercise. It wasn't an accident. This is a real attack of evil on a man who was after God's own heart. David was just sitting there playing the harp for Saul. And Saul was overwhelmed with these evil emotions. And he picked up his spear and he threw it at David, a sitting target. And everyone looking on, everyone that was in the king's court that day must have thought that David was a dead man. But everyone who thought that David was a dead man didn't know our creative God. See, sometimes, like them, we forget, we forget our creative God. And, and we think, like these people, that David was a dead man. We tend to think when, when someone is in turmoil, or when life isn't going our way, or when, when things are falling apart, that that person, they, they must be at odds with God. So, so a man like David having three spears thrown at him in two chapters must not be in the right place. This can't be what God has in store for him. In Saul's court, facing the pointed, ear, pointed end of a spear is exactly where David is supposed to be. Now, we cannot miss this, that for David, his life had been a cakewalk. Until he was anointed by God, everything was fine. Everything was good. He was with his family. He was with his sheep. He was taken care of. But once God called him as leader, once God anointed him and moved him out in his faithful calling, that is when life truly got difficult. See, when, when he found his calling in God and he went where God called him to be, that, that's when people came out to fight against him because he stood for our God. That's when people began to come at him because they were jealous of what God was doing in his life. See, when, when David followed God completely, when, when he was being faithful to that, that's when all of these traps and snares and arrows came at his life. When you stand with God, there is real evil that will, 
work to cut you off at the knees. When we stand with God, there is a struggle that's happening all around us, and we get caught up in that struggle. In fact, the people closest to God throughout the scriptures endured the harshest pains. And every single one of them came out restored, came out hopeful, and came out joyful because they knew their God in the midst of the pain. See, running into opposition or pain doesn't necessarily mean that you are separated from your God, cut off from Him. Truly, when you face struggles in this life, and when you face major hurdles in your life, that, that may mean you're closer to God than you have ever been in your life. And in turn, like we're going to see running through the scriptures, when you face real struggles and real barriers in your life, that's when God shows up and does the grandest miracles that the church has ever seen. Those struggles can be a moment for the glory of God, and that's what we're looking for in the text this morning. Look at what God does for his children who are in real trouble. We need to see what Scripture says happens when there is a spear coming right at your heart. And when there's a, there's a spear coming right at your heart and you are close to God, mighty miracles happen. You see it all through the text. God creates great escapes. In Exodus 2, there's little baby Moses. He'd just been born and Pharaoh is upset. Pharaoh's upset because they, they have all of the, the Hebrews enslaved and there's more and more of them being born every year. In fact, the, the Hebrew nation seems to be growing up in slavery and getting stronger and stronger in slavery. And so the, the Pharaoh gets upset about this. And, and so to fight this, he, he goes out and he's going to kill every male Hebrew baby because he doesn't want them growing up like this. And that doesn't work. And when that doesn't work, he, he tells the people to go out and throw all the babies in the Nile River so that the Hebrew nation can't get stronger, so that the people of God can't grow. And this is where we pick up this Moses story where his family doesn't throw him in the river, they put him in a little basket. And what does God do for that little baby in the basket? God creates a great escape. He creates a miracle. That basket sits there in the Nile River, and, and Pharaoh's own daughter comes and finds that little baby and raises Moses up. God saw to it that, that Moses was taken care of even as he was orphaned. Right? There was real evil in Pharaoh's heart, and no matter how he tried to destroy God's people, they survived. They always survived because they were God's. And that, that brings me to my next story. God, God raises up Moses in Egypt and made him into a great man, prepared him to be a leader. And, and at, at the end of this story, Moses is called to lead the Hebrews out of slavery, out of Egypt. And as he's leading them out, they, they break away from Pharaoh and they start moving out. And as they are moving out, the chariots come in behind them, all being chased by spears and they, they look, and they're caught. They're trapped. And they look on the other side of them. They turn around, and the Red Sea's on this side. A charging army is on this side, and they have nowhere to go. And we get Exodus 14, 14. Now, I've shared this story in here before. Exodus 14, 14 was a prominent, meaningful verse for me when God was moving us. 
In fact, you may know this. There was about a year that Amy and I prayed about where to go and what was going to be next for us in ministry. And along the way, there's a lot of ups and downs in that. There's a lot of highs and lows. There's a lot of uncertainty. And I, and I would pray. And one of the verses that God revealed to me when I was praying in that time and uncertain in that time was Exodus 14, 14. And in Exodus 14, 14, tells the people of God that are caught between the chariots and the Red Sea. He says, you just, you just sit still. You be still. And the Lord is going to fight for you. you. You don't have to do anything. I know that it looks like you're trapped. It looks like you're caught. But God is with you. And in, in that moment, as they sat still in faith and waited on God to come, it looked like they were going to be destroyed. They, it looked like all of their lives were about over. It looked like the people of God were done in that moment. And God said, sit still. I'm about to do something. And in that moment, God reaches down with his hand from heaven and parts the Red Sea. And all of Israel walks across on dry land. It's a mighty moment of God. People saw him working. These kinds of miracles happen. See, when God's children are trapped, God swoops down and he parts the Red Sea for them. That's who our God is and what our God does. Don't you ever think that God's people are done for? Because as much as this world fights back, and as much as this culture tries to annihilate our scriptures, that is just the moment that God comes in with his mighty hand and creates great escapes for his people. God creates great escapes every time the world believes they have us hemmed in. God keeps pushing through. We see, we see the story. We know the history. God pushes through triumphant. And as God comes through, the world doesn't go down silently. The world keeps swinging. So, so God got his people out of Egypt, and he's leading them in the promised land. We get to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2, Joshua sends spies out into Jericho. Two spies go out into Jericho, and, and as they're coming into the city, the king of Jericho finds out that they're there, and he's coming to destroy them. These two, these two agents of God sent by God's people to see what was going on. The king of Jericho is coming to destroy them. So they hide out. God provides a moment of escape. It's a lady by the name of Rahab, a prostitute in the city, takes them in and hides them. In the middle of the night, she, she tells them that she knows what God is doing in their life. She has seen it. She has heard the stories. And she hides them and she lets them down out of a window by a rope in the night so that they escape. Now, even when you're right in the middle of God's will, you will face traps. You'll face snares. You will face arrows of evil. They will come. The, the evil in this world is not going to go quietly. And only those who know our God will know the great escape. See, when you are near to God, you will have the tools that you need to survive in this life. But when you separate from God, you will only know madness. See, in all of these stories, including our reverse passages for this week, it's those that are close to God who know peace. Those distant from God, they just swing back and forth between fighting and madness. Sometimes they're in madness and sometimes they're in fighting and it just keeps going back. And that, that's their whole story. And it's only when they come and draw near to God that madness and all of the fighting begins to fade into the distance. And when they come to know God, peace begins to reign.
See, apart from God, that's all you're ever going to know is just that fighting and that madness. But near to God, you will know peace. And praise God, this story continues in the New Testament. God creating great escapes doesn't just stop when Jesus comes. Even with Jesus, God keeps producing these kinds of miracles. In Matthew chapter 2, Herod is trying to pull off his best Pharaoh impersonation. And he's trying to have all of the male babies of Israel killed. And in that moment, Jesus escapes to Egypt. It's all the same, same cycle. The same evil is perpetrated over and over again. And God saves Jesus Christ just like he has saved everybody else in the story. Because God is there and God is with us. Same thing happens in Jesus' ministry. Long before his walk to the crucifixion, People were trying to kill Jesus. Early in his ministry, they were trying to kill Jesus. We see this in Luke chapter 4. I want you to hear this story. This is Luke 4. Jesus is preaching in Nazareth. It's the town that he grew up in. And he's there. He's preaching Isaiah 61 to them. He's teaching them the scriptures. And this is where that service ends up. This is how they end up responding to God. This is uh, Luke chapter 4, 28 through 30. So Jesus had just preached on Isaiah 61, and all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, they drove Jesus out of town, they took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw Jesus off the cliff. But Jesus walked away, walked right through them. He had a moment of escape because his God was with him. By the grace of God, he escapes. And I want you to notice this. Jesus is the perfect, sinless son of God. And he's dealing with these same sort of traps and snares and arrows of evil coming right at his heart. And Jesus warned us. He warned us in this place. If the world treats me like this, it's going to treat you, treat you like this. So don't be worried, church. Don't be scared, church. Don't be caught off guard, church, when the world treats you like this. Because it's the very same thing that they did to Jesus Christ. That's the way it goes. God creates great escapes for his people when we're caught in the middle of it all. And it just keeps going. Right, you go from the Gospels and you move into Acts. You get, you get all of these stories in Acts. One in particular, like Acts chapter 9, where, where Paul, he's been out preaching the Gospel. And when he's preaching the Gospel, city after city chase him out. There's these angry mobs that, that, that form in these cities and follow him from city to city. And they chase him out of town because he's preaching the Gospel. There's one scene where, where Paul is, is stuck hiding in a house in Acts 9. And, and they have to let him out of a window down a rope. So that he can escape and run to another city. Every single time, God created a great escape. The world wasn't going to take God's great evangelist on their terms. So keep reading in Acts. You see, Peter's caught in prison and he escapes. Paul's caught in prison and he escapes. Paul's caught in, in, in a storm and he escapes. God keeps bringing them up. There, there's, there's, there's no way... That the world is going to take them out because God is with them and God is holding them strong. No trap nor snare nor flaming arrow of the evil one was going to stop the early church. Because the early church was filled with the Holy Spirit, which is still the case today. 
A church overflowing with the Spirit cannot be contained by this world. That's what Acts teaches us. When the church gets caught up in the work and the power of the Holy Spirit, you cannot be hemmed in or cut off by this world because we have the power of God with us. And anytime the world encroaches in on the church, God provides a great escape. It's the perfect moment for a miracle of God. Because that's what he's done all through history, time and time again, that the church filled up with the Spirit, brought through on the other side by the power of God. That's what we have to look forward to. That's what we're hoping for, and that's what we will see by the power of our God. A Spirit-filled church overwhelms the world with the love of God and his gospel. See, when God's people get going, There's nothing that can stop us. Every time the world puts up a barrier, God provides a great escape. That's who our God is. So now let's go back to the reverse for this week. 1 Samuel 1, 18 and 19. David sees this spear coming at him three different times. God took over and that spear stuck in the sheetrock. There's no way that sitting target David should have escaped But God creates great escapes for his children when it doesn't look like there's a way. When you're stuck between chariots and a sea, God provides a way. See, when when you are after God's own heart, means when, when you draw near to God, miracles come and life flourishes. Now, I don't want us to be mistaken, though, on on the enemy and who the real enemy is. The real enemy for David is not Saul. And the real enemy of God's people, it's not Pharaoh, it's not culture, it's not the angry mobs. Behind all of it, the the real enemy is the presence of evil in Satan. Scripture paints Satan in a powerful pose with fiery arrows, a slick serpent, a roaring lion, an agent of death itself. But as powerful and painful as those dark moments are, our God is greater. God creates great escapes for his people in all of those times, for all of those fiery arrows of the evil one. We get caught up in, in, in who the enemy is and in, in, in where the real evil lies, and often we miss it. We don't realize it, but one of, one of the greatest snares of Satan is not a spear spiraling at our heart like David. But one of the greatest snares of Satan is our misguided desires. Our traps are not always unmistakable armies. Rather, they're often simple temptations to turn something good into something sinful. When we allow little flirtations with evil to become normal and turn into sin that turns into death. Satan uses temptation, evil uses sin to steer us away from God and bring separation between us and our creator. Jesus knew these temptations. Jesus knew every one of them and said no every time. It is possible to say no to sin and temptations that are in your life. Sometimes we lie to ourselves and, and say that, that we, we can't control it. Our flesh is too strong and our spirit is too weak. And we have to give in to the temptations and the sins that flow into our life. But that's not so. Satan has not cast a spell over your heart. We have to train our heart to say no. 
We have to, in the power of the Spirit, learn to say no to our flesh, learn to say no to sin and temptation that comes into our lives. God creates great escapes even from the worst temptations. And the sin that you feel like you need an escape from, God has already overcome. Whatever sin, whatever temptation has taken root in your life that seems almost impossible to get out, God has already taken care of on the cross with Jesus Christ. I want you to, to turn with me to another passage. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This passage has a lot of weight. It weighs a ton. It makes your Bible heavier. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Listen to this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. Now, when you hear that sentence, what, what he's saying there, what Scripture is telling us, is often when we get tempted and we feel sin coming into our lives, we think it's unique to us. We think we're the only one dealing with it. We think nobody else is having to deal what I'm having to deal with. And Scripture says that is absolutely false. The same temptations that you are dealing with, the same sin that is coming in and out of your life, is the same sin that people have been dealing with for generations. There's no new sin. There's no new temptation. What you are dealing with, all the people of this book dealt with. Jesus Christ himself dealt with, and there is a way out. So let's continue. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. All sin's common. Then it says, God is faithful. And he is not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, when you face sin, and you're standing face to face with sin... God will what? God's going to provide a way out. He's going to provide a way so that you can endure, so that you can remain pure and holy. He provides a way out for you, for you every single time. Temptation doesn't have a spell over you. You can say no. You can live in the holiness of God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be redeemed. Here's the deal. God has offered us times of repentance. And when we mess up here and we don't get it and, and we fall flat on her face, God says, come and you repent at the altar. And so we do that. God, God has said, by the blood of Jesus Christ, you can come and repent. And when you mess up and you come and you repent, it's wiped clean. You're made pure and holy. You are absolutely forgiven. But I don't want us, I, I don't want us to, to make this mistake. We think repentance is what God wants. Repentance is not what God wants out of us. Obedience is what God wants out of us. We shouldn't need repentance because we have been obedient. Now, God knows we fall, so we have an opportunity for repentance. But he says, obey me. And the people that are close to God, the people that are friends of God, are the ones who obey his commandments. So anytime you're faced with sin and temptation, it's not inevitable that you fall into that trap. But God has given you a way out. He's made a way of escape for you. And it very well, well may take a miracle for you to get out of that temptation, but God has a miracle waiting on you so that you can escape. You can, you can escape from this world. You can escape from this culture. You can escape from these sins and these temptations. God has provided a way out. And most importantly, God has made a way of escape from you uh, from death and from all that surrounds us. Because being right with God is the only way that you escape this life alive. All other attempts at survival will fail. So the greatest escape for us is the escape over death. 
as it was for Jesus Christ. He, was, he came out of the tomb on Easter Sunday. And that was the complete defeat of death and evil. And that same escape over death is for us. Jesus Christ overcame the grave so that we could escape death. And we could know him in eternal life. And this is, this is what you need to hear this morning. This is what you need to know. This is the escape that all of us need. That life without God is a maddening descent unto death. And you don't have to drift any further from God than you already are this morning. Because some of us have drifted far away from our God. And he's calling you back in. Come into his presence. Kneel at his feet. And let God be your escape this morning. Because there, there are people all over this city right now trying to escape the crushing reality of their lives and the crushing reality of this life's coming end. And they do that by all kinds of other ways. We try to escape. We go, we go fishing. We go golfing. We go running. Try reading a good novel. We, go, we take a drive. There are all kinds of ways we try to escape from what's going on in this world and around us. And all of those kinds of escapes that people are trying this morning are tragic. Because every single one of them only lead back into the same spiral of sin and death. The only way that you truly escape with life is being near to God. The holy God of our scriptures is the only way that we escape. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, energized by his Holy Spirit. Otherwise, life is but a losing uh, battle. And the same is true for you as an individual as it is for this church. This church is fighting losing battles if we're not redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and energized by the power of the Holy Spirit. If that's not who we are this morning, life is a losing battle. But if you can claim redemption by the blood of Jesus Christ, and if you can claim the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, then there's nothing but vibrancy and flourishing ahead of you. There's nothing but peace ahead of you by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it might not look like it today, but that's, that's exactly when God provides his miracles. You've heard the stories of Scripture. This is the story of our God working in this world, and that's what he does. He provides a way of escape for you. And this morning, you, you have that same opportunity to escape. God has created the way. Now you take it. You take it and you run with it. Be redeemed. Be a child of God. And he will get you out. He will get you out of the pain of this world and make it right. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you knowing that each one of us are broken individuals. We need your hand to mold us together, to smooth out the cracks, make us complete. Lord, fill us with life and with hope. Because everything else in this world is draining us and pulling us down. And Lord, we, we need your life and hope within us. We need your spirit to come in and awaken our souls 
and spur us on to the good work of the gospel. And Lord, we want to see you move and work. Give us miracles of escape from temptation and evil and the pain that surrounds us. Lord, let us break free and be your child rejoicing because you are a good God. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.